Well, today, we get to jump into God's Word, and I'm so thankful for that. Uh, why don't we take a moment, let's pray, and then we'll, we'll jump into things today. Jesus, we thank you for your Word. God, it's so good. Lord, we don't deserve, God, all these instructions that you've given to us, but God, we're thankful for each and every one of them. God, may we take it seriously. God, God may we learn, may we grow today in your name. Amen. Amen. Uh, how many of you know that we live in a messy world, right? I feel like that can be an understatement. And uh, in this messy world that we live in, sometimes it can be hard to distinguish up from down, left from right, right from wrong, right? It can be all over the map. And there are so many uh, gray zones that we encounter on a day-to-day basis. You know, this just in between, is this right, is this wrong? And it can be really hard to live for Jesus, because it's not just easy. Wouldn't it be nice if everything was just black and white? Wouldn't it be nice if it was just crystal clear what we were supposed to do and there was none of these, these gray areas out there? So today, the message that we're going to be looking at today is, is black and white. How to obey God in a gray world. How to obey God in a gray world. And, and recently, I read this article. It was written by the Gospel Coalition, and it listed 15... Uh, 15 gray areas for Christians, 15 areas that some Christians would deem as that's perfectly acceptable, that's not a problem, you can be a Christian and you can do that, Uh, and then other Christians would say that's absolutely a sin, right? So like two different ends of the spectrum. Some people would say that's fine, other people would say that's a sin and you're going to hell, you know, like two ends. So I'm going to read you that list today. Now, it would be really fun if everybody voted, like sin, not a sin, but I don't know. We might stir up some trouble here today, so we're not going to do that, but you can just kind of vote personally, all right? See where you kind of fall on this line. Ready? I'm just going to go through them here. Number one, is it a sin? Is it not a sin? Uh, Oh, this one's good. Nobody's ever done this in here. Making out with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Sin, not a sin. Number two, watching an R-rated movie. Sin, not a sin not a sin, right? Number three, listening to non-Christian music. Sin, not a sin. Uh, Number four, drinking alcohol. Which one is it? Sin, not a sin. Number five was swearing. Okay, not okay. Number six, oh, this is a fun one, getting a tattoo. Sin, not a sin. Number seven, attending a Halloween party. Number eight, using social media. Sin, not a sin. Uh, Number nine, this one's fun, binging on Netflix. Sin, not a sin. Some of you feeling convicted right now. Uh, Number 10, driving five miles over the speed limit. You know, some of you are like, sin, absolutely, that's disobeying. Some of you are like, only five? You know, so there's there's different levels here. Uh, 11th one, skipping church to attend a sporting event. Oh. You're here this morning, so you don't have to feel guilty. But all those people who aren't here, right? Uh, Number 12, sending your kids to public school instead of the Christian school. Sin, not a sin. Number 13, betting on sporting events. That's getting a lot more prevalent in our society. Number 14, spending money on luxury items. You know, sin, not a sin. Number 15, playing video games that contain violence. Sin, not a sin, right? These, these are gray areas. The, these are gray zones. And 
I promise you today, I'm not going to come up here and, and at the end of the sermon, I'm not going to say, you know, that's a sin and this isn't a sin, this isn't a sin. Because here's the thing. This is a list of 15. It could have been 1,500 gray areas that we encounter on a day-to-day basis. So it's not so much figuring out what's right and what's wrong, but it's figuring out how do we decide when we come to those situations and we're going to come to them, how do we decide what's right and what's wrong? How do we decide, how do we match it up with God's word and determine how we should live our lives? Because these are questions that you face every day. You know, you might have answered sin, not a sin for some of them, but I want you to reshape your thinking for a second. Now answer based on what you think your kids should do, right? Should your kids play those video games? Should your kids make out with that boyfriend or your girlfriend? You know, should I, and and you, you do all those things and like, well, now that list gets a little tighter on what we think is a sin and not a sin, right? And, and so that's what we're looking at today. How do, how do we obey God in this gray world that we live in? How do we determine right from wrong? Right? Maybe today you're sitting in here and, and you used to be really close to God, but now you just don't feel as close. Maybe you know, you've expanded that gray zone in your life. When you first followed Jesus, everything seemed to just be black and white, right and wrong. But now the longer you do it, it's just kind of like, well, I like to live in the gray. You know, I don't, I don't want to cross that line, so I'm just pushing these boundaries and expanding the territory. But, but what, how do we determine this? How do we determine what's right and wrong in our walk with Jesus? So to do that today, I want you to open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 35. Jeremiah chapter 35. And we are going to look at a time when the people of God struggled to obey God. They struggled to determine right from wrong. They were living in their eyes in in that gray zone. And I think the word struggled here is, is actually kind of a nice way to put it. Because really the people of God were in rebellion. I mean, they were going against God. They had crossed the line, and uh, they should have known it, but they probably didn't really understand it. See, at this time in, in the history of Israel, the people were serving other gods. Like, here are the people of God, right? The, the people who crossed the Red Sea, the people who were inherited the promised land. These were God's chosen people, but now all of a sudden, they've done a 180. They've, they've stretched some things, and now here they are. They're serving other gods. See, it's been about 400 years since King David was on the throne and all of Israel was united and they were serving, serving God wholeheartedly. And, but generation after generation, things began to slip. It's funny how that happens. You know, one generation says, ah, this is kind of a gray area, but we'll, we'll call it, you know, it's, it's acceptable. Well, now the next generation says, well, that's normal. You know, that's not even a gray area. That's, that's just acceptable. And, and all of a sudden, a few generations down the line, the things that one generation would have said, that is taboo. We don't even talk about it. Now, a few generations later, they're celebrating it in the streets. You know, this is just open. It, it, it's no problem. And, and things change from generation to generation. It becomes commonplace. So God, he sends a man named Jeremiah, the, the author of this book, Right? And Jeremiah, he's a prophet. He's a person that God has sent to, to speak the words of God, to speak his words, to let his people know what's going on, what's right, what's wrong. And uh, the message that Jeremiah would always give is that he would warn the people, hey, you got to stop serving other gods. you got to stop doing it because if you continue to do this, judgment is coming. You are going to be punished. See, there's this guy named 
King Nebuchadnezzar, and he's the king of Babylon, and he's going to come on in, and he is going to ransack this place, and he's going to carry you to be captives, right? So you better shape up. You better start listening to the Lord your God, not all these other false gods around. You got to start listening to the right one. And he also prophesied, he, he spoke the words of God, if you turn back, though, there'll be blessing. If you keep going your way, there's going to be punishment, but if you turn back, there's going to be blessing. So Jeremiah, he's been warning these guys day after day, time after time, year after year. He's constantly warning the, the people of Israel. And in this specific case, it's the people of Judah. They kind of split into two different kingdoms. So he's, he's warning these people of God, this people of Judah, to turn around. And so he's starting to get creative with, with how he warns people. God's starting to get creative because they're just not listening. So in Jeremiah 35, uh, verse 1, it says this. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, to the house of the Rechabites, and, or says, go to the house of the Rechabites and speak with them and bring them to the house of the Lord into one of the chambers, then offer them wine to drink. So as we continue reading here, uh, Jeremiah listens to God. He goes out and he finds this the Rechabites, the, the family uh, from the line of Rechab. Now, if you go back and you look at their, their vast history, there's not too much about them in the Bible, this, these Rechabites, but you see their descendants of actually a guy named Jethro, who was, if you remember Moses, that was his father-in-law. And uh, so they weren't actual Israelites. They weren't actually Jewish, but they kind of tagged along with them for a long time, and they had adopted their customs. Uh, they, they lived with them, but they weren't necessarily 100% part of them. So they were with the people. They just didn't have the same status as the Jewish people. Now, I want you to understand what a great honor this was that, that God had asked Jeremiah to bestow on the Rechabites, right? Literally, God spoke to the man of God to tell these Rechabites, these people who weren't even Jewish, to come to the house of God and, you know, to, to serve them and to make it all, well, you know, this was a place that the non-Jewish people, I mean, they didn't just waltz in there and just have access whenever they wanted. This was by invitation only. This was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that the Rechabites had in this moment. I mean, today that would be uh, on par with you know, being invited to the White House and they roll out the red carpet for you and they put on a big meal just for you, right? Wouldn't that be amazing? Or uh, it, it would be on par with uh, you get to, let's say your favorite sports team, the owner calls you up and say, hey, I want you to come and, and watch the game with me in my owner's suite and I'm going to, uh, all the food you can want, it's going to be up there and you get to watch the game with me, right? Like that would be an amazing honor uh, to be able to do that. So this is like a once in a lifetime chance that the Rechabites have. They're invited by the man of God into the house of God. So it says, Jeremiah, he prepares everything. He, he prepares all the fixings. He, he makes it nice and special and he brings them uh, into the house of God, into the temple. And he says, here you go, drink some wine. What an honor. So how did the Rechabites respond? Verse 6 says this. It says, But they answered, We will drink no wine. For Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, You shall not drink wine, neither you nor your sons forever. You shall not build a house, you shall not sow seed, you shall not plant or have a vineyard, but you shall live in tents 
all your days, that you may live many days in the land where you sojourn. We have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he commanded us, to drink no wine all our days, ourselves, our wives, our sons, or our daughters, and not to build houses to dwell in. We have no vineyard or field or seed, but we have lived in tents and have obeyed and done all that Jonadab, our father, commanded us. So to sum it up, the Rechabites' response to this great honor that Jeremiah had bestowed on them was, thanks, but no thanks. We turn you down, right? Like they showed up, they were in the place, Jeremiah had it all, all ready to go. You know, this is, this is a great honor, and the Rechabites are saying, nope, can't do it. Can't do it. And why? Because their forefather, Jonadab, their great, 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 great grandfather said, you can't drink wine. And they're still listening to him 300 years later. They're still listening to this guy, and they're still following his every commands. I mean, think about that. 300 years later, and they're still listening to a command that their father gave. Your kids can't even listen to you 30 seconds, right? This is 300 years later, and they are still listening to their forefather, Jonadab. And this wasn't some easy commitment that they made. It was no wine, no houses. You can't live in a house. You can't plant a field. You can't plant a vineyard. And you have to live in tents. You have to be nomads your whole lives. That was the command that they gave him. So when the man of God invites them into the house of God, at God's command, and asked them to break a commitment they had made, they said, thanks, but no thanks. Right? They didn't, they didn't have a gray area in their life. They just said, this is black and white. We were told no, so we're going to say no. So let's see, how does Jeremiah respond to this? How does, how does God respond? In verse 12, he says this, Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, I mean, at that point, I'm kind of like shaking, like, uh, what's he going to say? I just said no to God, right? And he says this, go and say to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, will you not receive instruction and listen to my words, declares the Lord. The commands that Jonadab, the son of Rechab, gave to his sons to drink no wine has been kept, and they drink none to this day, for they have obeyed their father's command. I have spoken to you persistently, and you have not listened to me. I have sent, you, uh, sent to you all my servants, the prophets, sending them persistently, saying, Turn now every one of you from his evil way, and amend your deeds, and do not go after other gods to serve them. And then you shall dwell in the land that I gave, you, or gave to you and your fathers. But you did not incline your ear or listen to me. The sons of Jonadab, the sons of Rechab, have kept the command that their father gave them. But this people has not obeyed me. So we find out in this passage that the Rechabites did exactly what God wanted them to do. He set a table before them. He put wine in front of them. And they said, thanks, but no thanks. We're not going to do it. We're going to listen. We're going to follow the command that, that God has, or that Jonadab has given us. See, the Lord knew that they would say no. And so he uses this as an example to his stubborn people, the people of God. And he says, hey, guys, I've done everything to tell you to stop it, to stop, to turn from your evil ways. 
right? Get, get out of the way. Stop serving other gods and come and serve me. How many times do I need to tell you this? Like, look at these people. Look at the Rechabites. They're listening to a guy who told them this command 300 years ago, and they're still staying faithful. Why can't you guys be faithful for like 10 seconds, right? Just, just give me something. If you would just obey, right? We serve a God who's a good God, and he's saying, if you would just obey me, Right? If you would just obey me, man, I would pour out, I would open the windows of heaven, I would bless you. You wouldn't even be able to handle how much blessing I want to pour on your life because I love you if you just obey me. But because I'm a good father and you're disobeying and you're going out of line and you're doing things that could hurt you, I have to discipline you. I have to discipline you. But if you would just obey me, if you would just obey me, Right, have you ever said those words to your kids? Ever thought that? Like, you, man, you want to bless them. You, you want to go have fun experiences. You want to give them gifts. You want to do all these things. And, and then they come home and they just are fighting with each other, right? If you would just obey me. If you would just listen. Man, I would bless you so much. But instead, I have to discipline you. I have to discipline you so you can learn, so you can grow. And that's what God's telling his people. I want to bless you, but I can't because you're being disobedient. So instead, I have to discipline. And so this is, this is the story. And I, I believe if God uses the Rechabites back in this time to teach his people a lesson, then I think that we can still learn a lesson today from the Rechabites. So what can we learn? I want to pull out four different things that we can learn today. We're going to spend the most time on the first one here. We'll breeze through the rest of them. But the first one uh, that I think we can learn from the Rechabites is this. We need to stay away from the gray zone. Stay away from the gray zone. You know, God's word can be very black and white. This is right and this is wrong. But yet we like to live in the gray. Because the gray is a little bit more comfortable. You know, we can get a lot away with a lot more in the gray. It feels like we've got a lot more freedom in that gray zone. Right? But... Living for Jesus and following him, we, we can't bend the rules. We can't make exceptions, right? We, but we like to do that. We're always looking for loopholes. We're good at that, right? That's why we have lawyers, so they can find all the loopholes for us, right? Lawyers are good at that. They, they like to come in and, and, uh, and try to get their, their, their client, you know, find all those loopholes, find those gray areas to get them off the hook, or, or maybe to make the most money and get the most case, we can really just put the pressure on. Even if it doesn't make sense, let's find every loophole in that law. And, and we're really good about doing that in our lives. We find all the loopholes. We like to argue for ourselves and say, well, God, I can do this because this is, this is okay. You know, this, there's a little loophole here. There's a little gray area here. And I don't think I'm really crossing the line. So we, we try to push everything into the, the gray zone so that we don't, you know, cross the line, so to speak. But you know what? The, the Rechabites, they didn't have a gray zone. They could have, right? They, they could have gone into the temple and then pulled out the contract. Like, let's see this thing. Okay, what does it say? It says, drink no wine. Well, it doesn't really say, like, have a clause in here for, but what if, you know, God invites you into the temple? You know, I feel like if God invites you, then Maybe that supersedes a little bit. I know he didn't tell us directly. He just kind of invited us in. But, you know, maybe we can make an exception here because of these special circumstances. And maybe we could, we could 
bend it a little bit, but you know, it wouldn't be breaking the commands of Jonadab, our, our forefather. Right? They could have done that. They could have done that. Because it doesn't say all those different things. They, they could have found some gray area. You know, maybe, you know, they could have looked at that. It also said you can't live in a house. You have to live in tents and, and all these different things. And, and so they could have looked at that and they, they could have thought, you know what? I, I see what he's saying here, but Jonadab, he just doesn't know how much culture was going to change in 300 years, right? He, he doesn't know that, uh, you know, I, I think maybe the heart behind what he was saying is that he wanted us to not be farmers, and uh, he wanted us to wander so we could, but he didn't know that today we can actually not be farmers and live in a house, so that should be okay, or, or maybe we could write it off, we could, we can build a house, but then we can just put a big tent over it, right, and then we'll still be living in tents, and, and, and that should be just, just fine, right, and they, they could have had some gray zones here, but they didn't, right, in a similar fashion, we, we do that all the time in our country, right, We've got some forefathers who wrote some document about 300 years ago. And, and all the time, our Constitution, we're trying to, you know, well, what, what was the author's intent? Well, what, what if we put it this way? You know, we try to put our own spin. Basically, what we're doing is, how can this serve me? How can I get this to say what I want? Don't we do the same thing with God's Word? We read it and we try to say, how can I get this to say what I want it to say? Rather than what God wants to say. The Rechabites, they could have done that, but they didn't. They said, no. It says, drink no wine. We're going to hold to that. We're going to believe in that. We're going we're to stand up. See, I want you to think, how many times has your inner lawyer come out to rationalize some of the things that you wanted to do, right? And, and has tried to say, it's okay. You know, it's just, it's not black and white. It's just in that, it's in that gray zone. It's a little murky. You know, yeah, there's some negative things, but there's some positive things here too. So, so maybe it's okay. And that your inner self starts asking questions like, is it really going to hurt anyone if you do this? If no one finds out, is it really a sin? Did you really cross a line? Maybe it says, I, I deserve this, right? I've done so much good in my life that this one bad thing won't cancel those things out. Like, I, I deserve this. Or, you know, I'm, I'm a sinful person. I, I was born this way. And uh, God knows I'm only a human, and he's going to forgive me. So uh, this, is just, this is just who I am. You know, I, I can't help it. You know, in the same way in the Garden of Eden, Satan, the tempter, comes up to, to Eve, and she's looking at that tree of, of knowledge and good and evil, the, the one that, that God told him, you can eat from any tree in this garden, but don't eat from that one. And he comes up and he says, Eve, did, did God really say? Did God really say? to not eat from that tree, right? And we have those things that are just whispered in our hearts and we're trying to make those gray zones in our life. So let me say this. How about instead of asking those questions, you know, like how far is too far? How, how much can I take this before I, I break the line? How about the next time we come up to a gray zone in our life, we start asking some different questions to help things become a little bit more black and white. So let me give you four questions. I encourage you to write these ones down. Just put the little reference for the scripture. You can use the back side of your bulletin because uh, these are going to be very helpful for you uh, to give you some perspective in the moments when you're looking at a gray area. So the first question that I want you to ask yourself when you're in those moments is this. Will it give glory to God? Will it give God glory? Will it give God glory? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says this, Whatever you do, 
whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. Right? Everything in our lives as followers of Jesus should glorify God. So if you get to a situation and you're trying to figure out what's right, what's wrong, how far is too far, or something like that, and you get one of the questions you can ask, will it give glory to God? Because if it doesn't lift God up, right, if it elevates you or elevates someone else up higher than God, that's wrong, right? That's an easy decision. Will it glorify God? Will it lift him up? So we should be giving God glory in all that we say and all that we do. Second question that we can ask is, will it build me up? Will it build me up? 1 Corinthians 10.23 says, all things are lawful, but not all things build up. Right? So if you're about to do something and it is going to tear you down and it's going to uh, not help you become more like Christ, probably a bad decision. Not probably. It is a bad decision. This should be something that builds you up, that makes you a stronger Christian, that makes you more like Jesus. So will it build you up or is it going to tear you down? These are good questions to ask. The third question. This is a good one. Will it help me reach others for Jesus? Would help me reach others for Jesus? Uh, Colossians 4, 5, I like this, it's in the Amplified Version. It says this, conduct yourself with wisdom in your interactions with outsiders, non-believers. Make the most of each opportunity, treat, treating it as something precious. Right? So when you're coming to a decision, you're trying to decide, is this right or is this wrong? I want you to think about your neighbor. Think about that person who doesn't know Jesus. If I make this decision... Is this something I'm going to have to explain to them later and say, well, I shouldn't have done that, or this was, this was bad? Is this going to help you lead your neighbor to Jesus, right? You shouldn't have to go back and, and say, well, that's not normally what a Christian should look like, and I'm sorry that I did that, and, and, and all those things. But it should help us say, no, this is what a Christian looks like. This, is what, uh, this shouldn't be something that we have to apologize for later. You see, Christians are one of the biggest reasons why people decide to become atheists or decide to go to other religions because they see us say one thing, but then we live a different way. And people think, well, if that's what it means to be a Christian, I don't want to be a Christian. I don't want to follow Jesus. Or if that's, that's the God you serve, there's, there must be no God at all, right? So we need to match what we say with what we do. They've got to be in harmony with each other. So that question that we need to ask is, will it help you reach people for Jesus? And if it's not going to, don't do it. Don't do it. And the last question, and this is, you've heard this one before. This is, this is a classic, but it's so true. Last question, what would Jesus do? Right? What would Jesus do? First uh, John 2, 6 says this, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Right? If we are followers, we call ourselves followers of Christ, if you truly want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, then every day we should want to live more like him. We should want to be more like him. We should want our lives to mimic Jesus' life. So if we can't say Jesus would do this, then we probably shouldn't do this, right? Make those gray areas turn black and white. Make them turn black and white. So those are four questions that, that we can ask, Right? What would Jesus do? God, I, every day I want to have more of your patience. God, every day I want to be more kind just like you. I want to be joyful just like you. God, I want to be more loving every day. How can we make those decisions to be more like Jesus? So rather than 
debating and saying, all right, is this acceptable? Is this good enough? No, let's not settle for good enough. Right? Let's be more like Jesus each and every day. So four questions that you can use to help a gray world become more black and white. Second big thing that I want to point out uh, that we can learn from the Rechabites is this. Obedience should be a joy. Obedience should be a joy. A lot of times when we think of obedience, we just think like, oh man, I have to do that. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. But man, serving God should be a joy. Listening to him should be a joy. You know, the Rechabites, they didn't sit there. They weren't complaining about the choices they had to make. They didn't sit there and like, yeah, we got to live in tents. You know, this is the worst. We can't drink wine. This is, this is the worst. We can't do this. We can't do that, right? They didn't say that. They didn't sit there sulking. They didn't make excuses. It was an honor to serve their forefather. It was an honor to serve Jonadab. And this is how we should obey God, not out of obligation, but out of love for him, out of relationship with him. That's how we should serve God. Have you ever had somebody in your life, maybe it was a boss, uh, maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a grandparent, that, that it was just you loved them, you honored them, and so when they asked you to do something, it wasn't even hard to do. You, you were glad to do that, right? For me, I'd say my grandparents, it was a joy to serve them. I'd go to their house, they'd ask me, like, hey, can you take out the trash? Absolutely. By the way, I took it out and detailed your car, you know, and did all these different things. You know, maybe you've had a relationship like that. But man, if I went home, my parents asked me to do that, like, oh, this is the worst, right? And, and it's all about who we're serving. Well, we serve the God who created you, the God who created this universe, the God who gave up his life so that you could live, right? So you could have a second chance. So when we obey God, it shouldn't be a burden should be a joy. It should be an honor. 1 John 5, 3 says this. In, in fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. That's how we love God, to keep his commands. And get this, and it says, and his commands are not burdensome. His commands aren't heavy. Because when we follow God's commands, it doesn't weigh us down. It lifts us up. It shows us what life could really be like what life truly is, the way that life, the way God intended it. Not our version of so-called life and happiness, but God wants to give you joy. God, God wants to bless you when we're obedient to him. See, think about this comparison between God's people and the Rechabites, right? Think about this comparison. Uh, the Rechabites, they obeyed a fallible leader. I mean, they obeyed a human being. But God's chosen people, they disobeyed the eternal God. Contrast there. The Rechabites, they received their command only once, 300 years ago. But God's people received a, a command from God day after day. They were reminded constantly, and yet they still disobeyed. The Rechabites obeyed regarding earthly things, where God's people disobeyed regarding eternal things. And the Rechabites Again, they disobeyed their commands that was, or obeyed the commands 300 years ago, but the Israelites, the God's chosen people, continually disobeyed God. I think we can learn a lesson from that, right? God is reminding us day after day, God has given us his word. Let's choose to be like the Rechabites. Let's choose to say, all right, God, I'm going to listen. I am going to grow. I am going to learn. Uh, I am not going to let this message slip by. I'm going to read your word, and I'm going to change my life around it. 
And when we do that, we're going to choose to obey God with joy. Let's do it in joy. Two more quick points. Uh, third one is this. Third one is this. God punishes disobedience. God punishes disobedience. That's what the Rechabites learned that day. Right? Jeremiah 35, 17. So continuing on with the story, it says this. Therefore, thus says, says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I am bringing upon Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the disaster that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken to them and they have not listened. I have called to them and they have not answered. So he, he says, because they haven't listened, because they haven't answered, I'm going to pour out my wrath on them like I told them I was going to. I'm going to discipline them. Because they refused to listen because they chose to follow their way rather than God's way. They chose to please themselves rather than to please God, even though God had warned them over and over and over. He had told them, hey, we're going to carry you off in the captivity, right? And, and that's what happened. Nebuchadnezzar came down, he, he took over the city, and he, he carried them off. They were in captivity for 70 years. For 70 years because they refused to listen to God. In the same way, same goes for us. God is warning us, hey, turn from your wicked ways. Follow Jesus. Jesus is the only way to heaven. He's the only way. And, and in fact, Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 25. He's talking about the final judgment. It says that he's going to separate us into two groups, the sheep and the goats. Those who love God and love people, and those who love themselves so they don't love God and love people. Notice there that there was no middle area, right? There was no gray area for people who like kind of did a good job. It was one or the other, left or right, black and white. And, and he says, to those who live for themselves, they will go away into eternal punishment. And Jesus said to them, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Right? We, we have two options. And a lot of times we like to talk about heaven, but, but man, let's not talk about hell. You know, that, that's not very nice. But it's the truth. Right? If we don't listen, punishment awaits. Right? That's, that's not happy or, or exciting, it's, but it's a, it's a reality. It's a reality. When we continue to sin like God's people did in Jeremiah 35, and when we don't repent and we don't ask for forgiveness, then we're the ones who pay the punishment. We're the ones who pay for our sins. And that's not a good thing. Hell is not a good place. God punishes disobedience. But let me give you some good news this morning. And the fourth point I want to make is that God rewards obedience. God rewards obedience. I'm so grateful for that. To, to finish off this passage in verse 18, the Lord says uh, to the Rechabites, he says, but to the house of the Rechabites, Jeremiah said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, because you have obeyed the command of Jonadab, your father, and kept all his precepts and done all that he commanded you. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall never lack a man to stand before me. Shall never lack a man to stand before me. So God rewards the Rechabites. And they didn't even listen to God. They just listened to a dude 300 years ago, that was part of their family. But because they were faithful and because they were obedient, God said, I'm going to reward you. And your reward is this. You will never lack a person that serves me in your family. You will never lack my blessing 
on your family from generation to generation. I mean, what, what a blessing to know that your family is going to serve the Lord forever, from generation to generation. Now imagine this. If God rewards the Rechabites for listening to a human and obeying, how much more is God going to reward you for listening to him? Right? How much more is God going to reward you? See, in that same passage in, in Matthew 25 where, where Jesus separates the, the two groups, and, and he says to the group, to those who, who love me, to those who love people, to those who have, who have followed me, he says, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And he tells them that the righteous will inherit eternal life. Like, come on right? We get to inherit heaven. God has prepared this place for us. God has prepared a blessing for us. So let's not miss out. It is a joy to serve. And a side benefit is that God rewards us with eternal life with him. Worship team, would you come? You know, the night that, that Jesus was betrayed, the, the night that uh, Jesus knew that the next day he was going to have to give up his life, that the, the cross was, he was on the road to the cross. He prayed this prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So here you have Jesus. He knows that he's about to go down this tough road. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. He could have made some gray areas there. He could have said, well, isn't there another way? Isn't there all this? But at the end of that prayer, he says, but not my will, but yours be done, God. And he listens to God the Father, and he walks down that road, right? And he gives up his life on the cross because that was God's plan. Jesus didn't compromise. He stayed true even in difficult times, even in those gray zones. See, while the Rechabites are a good example for us, Jesus is the perfect example for us. He never strayed. He never wandered. He never wandered into the gray zone. Everything was black and white. And he chose the right choice every time. And he chose to go to the cross and die on the cross so that we could have life. See, we're, we're deserving of hell. We're deserving of punishment. Because we've sinned, we've messed up, we've disobeyed God. But Jesus stands in the gap and he says, I'll take your punishment, I'll take your sin. He didn't deserve it, he lived a perfect life, but he died on that cross anyways. So that we could have new life. So we could have a second chance. And all we have to do is accept him and make him the Lord of our life. Say, God, I, I need a savior, I'm, I'm a sinner. Would you forgive me? I want to live for you. I want to obey you all of my days, not obeying myself. So how can we be obedient to God? What can we do? What steps do we need to take? Well, a couple things. First off, we've got, God gives us the greatest commandment. He was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, the first commandment is, is this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Right? That's what we need to do, is love God in every decision that we make. It's a question you can ask yourself. Am I loving God? Am I glorifying God? Am I lifting him up? And he says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the people that I created. Love your neighbor. 
right? So we honor God, we obey God by loving God and loving people. And we also obey God by, by listening to his great commission. He says, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation, right? We obey God through sharing Christ, through telling people the good news and not holding it to ourselves, right? That's why our mission statement is love God, love people, and share Christ. That's how we are obedient to God. We're also obedient. A couple weeks here, we've got our water baptism service. We're obedient to God when we, when we follow that call. You know, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior and you've never been baptized in water, then I challenge you, I encourage you, be obedient to God. Come, come talk to myself. Come talk to Pastor Joni after service. We'd love to chat with you and get you signed up for that. Be obedient to God. Follow his example. And one way, another way that we can be obedient to God is, is by following the example when he told us to do this in remembrance of him, to have, to have communion. And so today I, I want to I close in that way of, of being obedient to God through remembering his, his death and his resurrection when he died on that cross and he rose from that grave. And so today we're going to take a moment and, and we're going to receive communion. Uh, if you didn't get the elements yet, they, they're in the, the back. You can get up and grab them here in just a minute you to do so. You don't have to be a member of this church uh, to receive communion. If, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, that's all that you need. That's all that you need. And, and you know what? If you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, you can do that right now. You can accept Him right now. In fact, we're going to give you just a few moments here. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28, it says, everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Before we take communion. It says everyone should examine themselves. So I want to give us a moment. The worship team is going to sing and I want to give you a moment just to examine your hearts. Say, God, where am I at? How, how am I doing? Am I living in those gray areas? Am I, am I crossing the line? What are some things that I need to give to you today? So this is just a great moment between you and God that you can just ask God for forgiveness. Ask Him to put you on that right track. Ask him to make some things black and white in your lives. And again, maybe, maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, but today, in this moment, today could change everything for you. So I challenge you in these next few moments just to pray a simple prayer, to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Tell him that you believe that he died and that he rose again. Ask him to forgive your sins. And you can have the greatest gift if we call on the name of the Lord, it says that you will be saved. You can walk out of this place sure that you're going to heaven when you die. Believe that today. So I want to give you that opportunity. So let's, let's pray, and, and then I'm going to give you just the chance to examine your hearts. The worship team's going to play. Jesus, we thank you. God, thank you for what you're doing in our lives today. God, I pray that we would take these few precious moments just to examine our hearts, to lay it all before you. God, to confess what's going on. God, would you clean us up and make us ready. God, to partake of, of communion of the Lord's Supper, to sit at your table today. In Jesus' name, amen. Take these few moments and just spend some time with Jesus. Glory, 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 hallelujah, Jesus,
night he was betrayed. He took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So I want you this morning, if you would just take out the, the bread from the element, would you hold it in your hands? And let's pray. Let's, let's thank God for his broken body. Jesus, we, we take this time in, in obedience to you to remember your body that was broken for us. God, you were beaten. You were whipped. God, the crown of thorns was placed on your head. The nails were, were driven through your arms and through your feet. God, I can't imagine the pain that you went through. But yet all that time, you were thinking about us. God, you were doing it for us that we could have a second chance. So Lord, we come to this table this morning grateful. We come to this table this morning humble by your great sacrifice. God, thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for allowing your body to be broken so that we can be whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake of the bread together. same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is a new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes so would you take the cup in your hand and let's let's just pray over it Jesus we thank you for your blood that was shed on the cross we remember God your blood that poured out that washed us white as snow, that covered our sins, that covered our stains, that, that covered all the times we crossed the line. So Lord, we're grateful today for the blood that you shed on the cross. So Lord, we remember you as we, as we drink this cup today in obedience to you. God, thank you for the work you did on the cross. reminder to remember what Jesus has done for us. Life can get pretty busy sometimes. Life can get pretty hectic and can get pretty messy. But we always need to take that time to slow down and remember and give some proper perspective to what God has done for us. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God will help you to make good choices, help you to be obedient. Help you to stay away from the gray zone this week. Help you to be more like you. So let's pray today. Jesus, I thank you. God, again, we thank you for what you did on the cross. God, thank you you gave us a second chance. God, so that we can love God, love people, and share Christ. God, that we can serve you. God, and we can join you in eternity in heaven. God, thank you for delivering us from the pits of hell. 
So God, we, we walk away joyful. God, help us to obey you. God, may it be a joy in our life. God, may it not be burdensome, but God, may, may we rejoice. God, help us to stay away from the grave. God, help us to serve you every single day. In Jesus' name, bless your people today. God, may we listen the way the Rechabites listen. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have an incredible Sunday, an incredible week. We'll see you Wednesday night for our big pie-in-the-face celebration. Uh, if you need to spend some time around these altars, they are open. Have an incredible week.